Today we have Jason Yerusi on the show. Have you ever wondered how to balance health and wealth? Jason Yerusi is a multifamily investor, author, speaker, and coach. Jason is the author of How to Master a Fit Rich Life in 15 Days. He has successfully completed nine syndications in four states for approximately 850 units. Jason will teach you how to master your mindset, health, and wealth all at once, focusing on three key areas of your life, physical fitness, mental wellness, and financial stability. The greatest wealth is health, and when you have those two things down pat, everything else falls into place. Before we jump into the intro, don't take a chance on missing out on a future episode to learn from proven seasoned investors. Go to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe, and please select the five-star review. We are currently at 276 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and are shooting to get to the 300 mark. Thank you to everyone for stepping up. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing. Be introduced to the players that are getting it done and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Jason before we start the show. Jason and his wife, Peely, and their three children live in Tennessee. The two of them have a YouTube channel called The Jason and Peely Project, where they focus on helping others with mindset, health, and wealth matters. Pushing boundaries and achieving balance in life is extremely important to Jason. This guy's next stretch goal is crazy. He wants to run in a 200-mile race. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest with us today. We have Jason Yerusi. Jason, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yes, I like to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So just a little bit about how I know Jason. Um, so first and foremost, I've seen both Jason and his wife, Peely, um, they are all over social media in the, in the multifamily space. So these guys are doing great things. Uh, a mutual friend put us in touch with each other and um, we had a short conversation and I'm excited to have him on the show here today. So um, Jason, just typically the first question I ask is how many properties and how many units uh, do you guys currently own? Yeah, sure. And again, I'm psyched to be here. Uh, we have done uh, nine syndications to date, uh, spread across uh, four states. Uh, it's a little over 850 units. We actually have two other properties under contract right now, which will put us uh, by potentially uh, mid-year right over about close to 1,000 units, about 975. That's awesome. Um, when did you get involved in, in multifamily? How long have you been in business? Yeah, sure. So 2016, we were actually doing some active real estate flipping, wholesaling. We brought some small rentals out of state. Uh, that was going really well, but we really 
realized that if we wanted to scale this, it was going to be very difficult really to get a kind of scale by, by really buying a lot of little properties out of state. So we said, what else is there? And luckily I uh, came upon large multifamily investing and just followed the steps and the light bulb went off. Like this is a great way where we could really get leverage, get a times of scale and go big and be able to push the lever in small ways that create a massive impact across these properties. That's huge. Um, you said that you followed the steps. Did you end up joining a mentorship program or, or, um, you know, develop a relationship with a mentor to identify what those steps were? Yeah, but well, first I started just turning on or turning off all the things that really are distractors, right? Because podcasts are fantastic, right? But sometimes you can get lost because every new thing you hear is the next best idea, right? And that, that's absolutely. usually the start, but the stop of your future in real estate because you never get started. So we were doing that, right? So we, we had, you know, we were flipping, wholesaling, we were doing Airbnb, we had small rentals. So we were doing all these things, you know, okay, doing good, doing good, but not doing great anywhere because how can you when you're everywhere and not anywhere? And so when we jumped into multifamily, we said, who else is doing this successfully? Because with many things in life, we, we ultimately assume that we have to do it ourself and figure it all out. But that's usually the last way you go. You say, okay, who else is doing this successfully, especially in real estate that's been tried and true for generations? Who else is doing this? How are they doing this? How are they taking action? What are those steps that we can look at and now start putting them in place for ourselves? So you, you did uh, find a mentor? Yeah, found a mentor and then also had a couple other friends who were doing as well who were kind enough to give us uh, their feedback and uh, their uh, process and just let us bounce ideas off them to understand how they were doing what worked and why maybe they didn't do it. Some of the thoughts that we had in our minds. Yeah, that's that's huge. I, I, I for the listeners benefit, you know, regardless of whatever you want to do in life, you know, you go out and find somebody who's already done it and then mimic their success, you know? So um, what's cool also is that, look, you started back in 2016, here we are five years later, and now you're extremely successful. You know, you're successful in, you know, nine syndications, you got two two in, in uh, contract currently, you're gonna be over a thousand units by mid year, and you're big in social media and you're giving back, and, um, you know, before we started the show, you were talking about how you're starting to educate other people. So, you know, five, six years ago, you were the guy that was looking for education. And now, you know, you've gone through it. And so now you're starting to share with other people. So um, I believe you have an event that you're going to be doing coming up. Uh, can you share a little bit about what that's all about? Yes, yeah, sure. So, and I appreciate that. So we're doing another three-day event. So it's going to be a virtual event, three full days, action-packed content and buying large apartment buildings. Whether you haven't done a deal yet or you've done some deals, but you're just looking to scale up, this is going to cover all aspects of multifamily buying apartment buildings. So it's called Multifamily Live Event. Uh, that's actually the URL, multifamilyliveevent.com. And like you said, right, typically, we, we always think there's this wide gap between us and others, whether either we're ahead or behind. But most of the stuff, you're either you know a step ahead or a step behind in most parts. And w when we brought our first deal, really May of 2017 is when we closed our first deal, went from three and four units to a 94 unit. We, right after that, had the impulse to just create a meetup. And it was one of these things where we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't have any you know, ulterior motive with it. We just said, let's just get people together because we're here, we were here in New Jersey at the time. And every real estate group was 
just a mishmash of things, right? There was all different kinds of events, whether it was notes or tax liens or wholesaling or flipping or, you know, new construction or whatever it was. They, there wasn't one that was just, okay, let's talk about multifamily. So we started this event, first meetup, we had like 35 people in the room and, and it grew to like 2,500 people. And Holy was, cow, from 35 yeah. people to 2,500? Where, where, where'd you even have this? You know, so that would be our all over member count. So we get a couple hundred per meeting, right? So we'd have it at a couple different spots. At first we were doing that at a real estate office, outgrew that. Then we, luckily enough, uh, my church in New Jersey allowed us to use the hall there. So that was a lot of fun. But it was one of these things where we weren't, we were just giving back because I find that it helps others, but it always helps you too. Like it, so many times we want to hold back all the information, but that, what does that do? That doesn't allow anybody else to expand. And, and our idea is not always the best idea and not always the last idea. So the more you can talk, the more you can have conversations, whether it's myself, you know, talking to the group about how we did it or bringing others in to talk about it. It was one of the, even today we, we've had so many people who came to that group for the first time that are now active out there in the multifamily world. And it allowed us to just really give back to the way that others helped us along our journey because typically it's not the big steps, right? Okay, an apartment building. Okay, there's a building. I want to go buy it. I have to, you know, find money and, and have a loan and have a plan, right? Okay, cool. But the, the little steps along the road, may, maybe it be, you know, a question with a syndica, uh, syndication lawyer or, you know, fill in the blank, right? Or some, um, some contractual language. Well, they may sideline you because you can't go into Google and search it out, right? And so you, the big steps you got and all of a sudden now you're going along your process and here comes this little question that at the moment you think is so pinnacle, so important, and it derails you, right? So here you are two, three, four weeks down the road, you, you give up or, you, or you, you delay yourself because you can't find that answer and you, you're off track compared to somebody on your team, somebody on your side that you've now to grow in trust with that within three, five minutes, you can send a text to and be back on track. That's yeah. a different creating community because it allows you to continue to move forward and everybody rises together. That's huge. Uh, building... Building the contacts, you know, uh, you know, you may not have all the answers, but if you know who to call to get the answer quickly, that's, you know, critical. And um, the other thing you said was, you know, about giving back and some of the people that were involved in that group that are now off and running in the multifamily space, you know, um, you know, some, sometimes, you know, look, you have an education program, you have other things, there's certain things that are paid, right? That you're providing value and you're getting value back. But there's other things that are just, you know what, you're just sharing because you have the information the other person doesn't yet and you're just helping out. And there's a, there's just a joy to helping other people in life. Um, you know, I, I can recall a situation where somebody wanted to, to G, have me be a GP with them on their first deal. And I, I ended up passing and wasn't in a market that I wanted to be in. Um, and I didn't know that market, but then, you know, I thought about it when I was back in my office and I'm like, you know what? I know another guy who's trying to get his first deal and he's lives in that market. Let me put them together, see hmm. what happens. And sure enough, like three months later, they called me back and they said, Hey, we partnered and we closed on that deal we were talking about. And that's huge, you know? Yeah. Just being, 
it's one thing you can provide value, but there's other ways too, just like you mentioned, you can be the connector, right? And sometimes with meetups, someone says, well, I can't start a meetup. I don't know anything I'm doing, but you can be a connector, right? You can get a bunch of people in the room and bring other people that can provide value and start being that connector. That can be your piece to start helping others, right? We don't always have to be the one with all the answers. We can be the connector between the question and the answer. And that puts us in a great place too, where you can build your brand in that way to get yourself out of the gate. That's huge. I I remember calling, uh, well, I sent a, sent an email. So I'm invested in one of Joe Fairless's deals. And, yeah. and so, you know, I was thinking about, do I start a meetup? Do I start a podcast? Do I write a book? You know, what do, what do I do? So I, I'm like, look, this guy's done it all, right? So I'll just send him an email and see what he says. And he said, start a meetup, then start a podcast, then write a book. Now, yeah, I did awesome. not do the meetup. I'm I have got the podcast, but um, yep. you you set it up that way. You meet up podcast. So you've got two podcasts, I believe, right? Um, or podcast and YouTube kind of talk about that. And when did that come about? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of our life is built on really our our, our mindset and just improving our health and growing our wealth, right? All built together. So we we started out uh, really having our podcast just around real estate when we first started because we were doing all aspects and then transitioned over to multifamily. Um, however, our YouTube channel, we want to really still talk about a lot of different components. And that's what we do under the Jason Peely project is uh, talk about the fit, rich life. And so out. And when you think fit, rich and life that doesn't mean that you have to be you know six-pack abs and and own you know a mansion. <laughs> it can be whatever you want to be your ideal life because we have to stop living other people's lives we have to start living our own and usually it's the hard questions that we don't ask is that what do we really want and many times we we assume that what we see in our phone is what we want but we don't know enough about what that person has done to get that or really with that experience to understand that, no, that's not right for us. Maybe I don't need $10 million. Maybe I just want to have, you know, $200,000 a year or, or you know, $80,000 a year. Who, who knows? Doing something I love that I can have all the time to explore the world in the way I want and to spend it with my family, right? So two different paths, right? Oh, I have all this money assumes I'm going to be happy, but that's also a goal that's not really driven within you. So the reason that you don't get out of the gate to go after it is because you haven't set context of what that actually means to you and what that will happen if you achieve it. And most importantly, if you don't achieve it, what will happen? And sometimes the more important question is that, okay, sure. What if I, what I get, um, if I do achieve it is one, but what carries more weight is that if you don't do this, if you don't go after this goal and achieve this task, this mission, what is the ulterior result or the alternative to your life that happens because you did not do this? Yeah, that's huge. Um, so if I'm differentiating, you have a, a multifamily podcast and then your YouTube channel is the Jason and Peely project, which is focused both on wealth and health. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. The multifamily live, uh, as so for the multifamily live event.com, um, multifamily live podcast is our podcast. Uh, we, we still have real high performing guests on, however, uh, we're really targeted on multifamily, just keeping the context on what, uh, is available in this space, how you can grow yourself to become a, whether it become a great operator or a great partner of a team or a great passive investor. There, there's all different parts that we can be involved with really just depending to get back to our core values and what's important to us. Yeah. Um, so why, 
Like I noticed that from your social media that you are big into health. Okay. So you've got this, you know, um, YouTube project. Talk about why, you know, why that's so important to you and in your life. You know, it, it sets my mind right. And so many times we, we defeat ourselves from the moment we get up because either, you know, we tell ourselves we're going to get up and then we don't. And then we're, you know, we're late for our day. We get off on the wrong foot. Uh, you know, we, we're rushing. Our whole day starts in, in frenzied, chaotic fashion. And our day continues like that. So when things come up that potentially aren't that big of a thing, they become huge because we're not prepared because our whole day has been unsettled and unraveled. And we get to the end of the day tired, overwhelmed, overworked, you know, get back, next day repeats. And that's how so many people, unfortunately, are living their life. Instead of saying, I have to get back to take control to what I can control. Not gonna worry about what others are saying, what others are doing, things that I can't control. I'm strictly gonna really take control of my life, my attitude towards things, my focus on things, how I show up. And a lot with fitness is that I get up and do this because it gives myself the clarity to just control the beginning of my day, set the narrative for how my day is going to take off, and then really set my mind at ease. So when I do get into the day, of course, everything is not going to go to plan. That's just life. But when things come up that aren't to plan, I have now put myself in a position here where I am controlling what I can control. So when things happen, I can have the time to put my mind to them and focus on them instead of being caught where everything's coming at me from all ways and I'm out of control. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, you know, most successful people that I've read about have, you know, a workout routine and a consistent routine about that. And, and the other thing is that, you know, it, it's, it's counterintuitive. I mean, in terms of like, look, you want more energy, expend energy, you know, you want more money, like give money away. Like it's, it's, certain things in life don't really make sense, but you know, you, you work out and then all of a sudden you crave better food, you know, and, and then your mind starts working better, you know? So that's in a straight trajectory, right? And so many times we think that, Oh, it all has to be all or nothing, but it's just that first step. So right now, if you're, if you're out of shape, it's fine, but you have to, you're not going to get out where, where most fall off the deep end is they get some kind of new year's resolutions. Like, so haven't run in 17 years, um, way overweight, um, not eating well, but this month I'm going to run a marathon, right? And then the first day you kill yourself and, and you, you know, you can't walk the next day and you give up, right? Because you've set unrealistic expectations or, and it's not trackable, right? So it could be today I'm going to get up, I'm going to walk around the block. Okay, cool. Did that. Next day, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same walk around the block. The last 15 steps, I'm gonna run right. And so you at least build into something that you can start winning instead of setting yourself out of the gate that you just create a loss for yourself and then give up. Yeah, I I love that. I, I I'm a total believer in that and in, in progress. Right. You know, rather than come out of the gate day one and just you know full sprint. Look, you know, progress continues to motivate yourself. You know. Um, so you, you have created a habit of working out and you, from, from some notes I got, you get up at a strange time. Yeah. <laughs> can, you talk, can you talk about that? Why did you pick that time? 
Well, I, I didn't want to lose the morning anymore. So I set a point where it's very easy, right? You know, we get up, the first thing we do, ah, I guess the five more minutes are already part, but then you set the narrative, okay? I start the day with a loss, right? So how do you think the day's going to carry over, right? Because you're, 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 it may seem subtle to you, but if you start building these habits into the part where you just accept these little things to just be okay, then where else do you cut corners? Where else do you give in? Where else do you not go for it? Where else do you not do the tough things that need to be done? So I said, okay, well, what's going to get me out of bed? Well, four, three, two, one. I get up at 4.32 a.m. because I go 4.321, go, and I get out of bed. Get up, get going. And Got it. once you're out of bed, you're up. You're, you're so 4.32 sounded weird, but now you say 4.321, like it's like a mental thing in your head, pop out, you yeah. know? Get up, go. Yep. Once you're up, you're up, and that's it. You typically aren't going to get up and say, you know, I'm going to lie back. You get up, right? You get up, you go. I like to have a glass of water by the bed. I'll chug a glass of water, um, and that really replenishes my body, gets me going. That's awesome. So you've done a lot of things, um, you know, talk about kind of layering, you know, like, because you ended up, you know, moving from single family to multifamily, and then you started becoming successful at that. And then you started to add things on, you know, you added on the meetup group, then you added on, you know, a, a podcast, then you add on, um, YouTube, then you add on, you know, a, a three-day event, you know, so talk about how that progression took place. You know, it's simply staying in line with the trajectory of where we're going, right? So I think where we were not seeing the best results is that when we were trying to do all these things that weren't completely aligning, right? So we may be doing, you know, multifamily and then construction and then, uh, you know, new development and then, you know, flipping. Well, they, they all have the, the covet of, of real estate. However, they're all separate practices, right? But when you get to the point and you look at how other people are successful, most people don't start out of the gate and have 15 different income streams at the same time. And they all work right they're typically driving one vehicle and then on that front once they get that vehicle dialed in and it's on autopilot or at least in a part where it's dialed in they can now add other things that not are, are parallel with that but also assist that right so the the meetup um has been fantastic right we've helped all these people but it also um was just surprising but we started to have of course a lot of investors come from there we started to have lead generation brand awareness all the all the things that come from a meetup podcast We've now been able to connect with just some of the top level people like yourself, where we could just get out here face to face, where we may not have the ability to be in the same room, but now we're connecting with so many other people. So it puts you in front of high level people that are operating on, on just a, a another another you know, notch, right? Because they're stepping on the gamut. So you can learn their processes and their places. And even for us growing the YouTube channel, just understanding how to market in certain um, spaces, and which leads to the multifamily live event, how we can get out there within three days give people an actionable blueprint to go out there and tackle their goals start with what they want what's their mind that's stopping them and here are actual goals that you can or actual steps you can take to reach a goal <laughs> that's great it, you know there's people look there's people out there that are going to judge people for for everything right and um you know you can't do that who does that person think they are and and all these, and, and you just have to get those, you know, the, for the listener's benefit, you just have to get those out of your head, okay? Um, all these different things that, yeah, adding different income streams, you know, it can come across as being like, okay, well, that person is just building an empire for himself, you know? But the reality of it is, is every one of those income streams, every one of those 
challenges, one of the, every one of those layers is impacting and helping other people. And, you know, had you not started the meetup group, yeah, you benefited from it, but had you not started that meetup group, there's some people that may never have gotten into multifamily, you know, had, had you and your wife not started the, the YouTube channel, look, there may be people that, you know, just give up on the health side, you know, or where they want to go, but you know, they need a coach and you're willing to invest your time your effort, your money to, to help other people, you know? So that's, that's something that, you know, I think gets lost with some people. Some people just want to be naysayers. Um, but once all, once you see that you've helped somebody that's such a driver for, for moving forward. So look, you're f- much further ahead of me, um, on those fronts. Um, but starting the podcast last year, like I've met so many people and, you know, had coffee with people that have invested in deals with me and said that, you know, it, it came from listening to the podcast first. And look, that's, I feel awesome that, you know, it, it's helped people. So I applaud you guys for doing that. Well, it's one of the best feelings, right? You're doing a podcast and other people are taking in and learning pieces and being able to apply them through their day, right? Because you're, you're giving out information that, someone didn't know was available to them before. And when they right. hear that, it, it's, you know, and it's the same thing too, right? It's a, it's a great feedback in your process because when someone else can take that and say, okay, we can use this to better ourselves, to better our lives. And, uh, you know, a lot, what we talk about is that not every day is going to be perfect. It, it just, it just, you would never know a perfect day if they were all perfect, right? But you have to understand that you're not going to have the perfect day show up for you to get started. You have to start right now. You have to go out there and take action because the action produces better questions so you get better answers. And so many times in our life, we want to know all the pieces. We want to know every piece of the puzzle. We want to have all the questions so we can have all the answers figured out before we get started. And either two things happen. One, we never get to that point. We never have enough information because there's always more information to get. Or two, we think we have it all. And then first day we get slapped in the mouth because we were not ready right? Just like Mike Tyson is that we're not ready. And then our whole trajectory gets thrown off. And so it's about starting and understanding that you you have at least a direction, like, right? So if I'm in New York, I want to go to California, I at least know I got to go West. I don't know if I have to go, you know, four degrees left, you know, 73 degrees, right? I just know I have to go West. And at each point, I'm going to have to get to the next step and then pivot accordingly to that next part. because it's going to give me more feedback to get to my goal. Yeah. That, the next step. That's what you said. And I think that that is so key. And people have asked me, like, and I'm sure you went through something similar. On my first syndication, people are like, what was the hardest part? You know, people want to go right to the the capital raise. And, you know, that Mm -hmm. must have been the hardest part. And I'm like, you know what? Every part was hard. And, you know, like, because I hadn't done it before. So, calling brokers, going on property tours, underwriting, like everything was, was hard at first. But then I look back now and I'm like, man, why was, why was that, you know, why was I concerned about that piece? That was not, not an issue. But, it, you know, when you don't know something. So if you think about all the steps, it could prevent you from moving forward. But I love what you said. Just tackle the next step, you know, and then you know that there's a next step after that and then tackle that one. That's huge. 
it's like it's having all the unknowns that that scares off the cliff. I, I I used to like before we had all this mapping technology, or even if you're driving to a point, you're kind of not certain where it is, right? It, it feels like it takes forever to get there, and it's like a difficult trip, and it's gonna it, the journey is like never ending, and you finally get there, and then when you turn around to come back, it's like three minutes, right? Because your mind was so involved that this is so painstaking, such a journey for me to be on, but then when you turn it around and you've done it, you say, okay, well now it's not that bad, right? Because your your mind now understands the journey. And now there's new things that are going to be new challenges, right? And so for us, it, it, that first step is always going to be difficult because why why shouldn't it be, right? It's it's something we've never done before. It's like, you know, my some of my kids trying to learn to ride a bike. It's like, why well, can't do it? Well, well, you've never done it before. So so you, you, we just don't step up and jump on a bike and just ride off into, the, you know, into uh, into just wherever they're going, right? You, you, it's that step of understanding how things flow together, but you have to get on a bike and falling might happen. You know, it might, but in that fact, you can learn that, okay, how do I not have the worst case scenario? Well, learn to put my feet down, learn to put my hands down, learn, you know, that's just like a lot like life, right? Instead of just saying, oh, the worst case scenario is going to happen. I'm going to buy an apartment building and it's going to get, it's going to blow up by a fire by one of the residents, right? Well, you just say, okay, how can I prepare for this to be the best investment possible by really controlling everything I can control and then setting myself up accordingly with all the pieces of the puzzle to keep carrying my process forward? Yeah. The, the other thing I would add is, you know, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. So if you have not done it before, but you either have hired a mentor to coach you on how to do it and how it's going to feel and what you're going to go through, um, or you're around a lot of other people that have already done it and they give you encouragement that, you know what? Yeah, it's scary, but like I, I was scared too and I did it and it worked out, you know? Um, you know, most, you know, with the bicycle example, most kids, how they learn to ride a bike, right? Is at least I did it with my two kids. I, I think probably a lot of people do this is it's the parent, you know, is out there with the kid. The parent knows how to ride a bike right? The parent is giving encouragement and saying, you know what, you're not going to get it your first tra- chance, but I'm going to push you and you may fall down and you may get a bruise, but like after a little bit, you're going to get it, you know? And so when they look back at their mom or dad, that's, you know, they have, they have a lot of trust in that and they believe that they learned how to do it. And so what they're trying to teach is, is right. So surrounding yourself with other people that can give you that is huge. Yeah, it's spot on. So um, you are, you know, a guy who's, uh, you know, how much money did you have to raise for all those deals? Nine, oh, nine syndications? Man, I'd have to add it up. So the first one was 700K. I get, to, I get to tell that part. Uh, yeah. Last one in November was 2.8 million. Um, then we have. So let's uh, just talk about going from 700K to 2.8 yeah. million. I mean, that raising capital is, you know, a, a fear for a lot of people trying to get into the syndication space, you know? So talk about how, you, you know, your first deal versus where you are now. Sure. So luckily, uh, we, we learned a, a smart thing to do 
prior to ever um, being in a position of having a deal is that you have to start telling people what you're doing and start to create um, energy and excitement with what you're going after. And we did that with with really um, putting together a mock deal based on upon what we're going to be looking for. And so we basically were talking to people who could be potential investors because if, if I come to you today and you've never heard about investing in apartment buildings and I think that I'm gonna explain who I am, learn what you want, tell them about how multifamily works, tell them about the projects that I'm looking for and then tell them about the property that I now have and will you give me $50,000? In the a, next two weeks. It, yeah, in the next two weeks. That's a lot because people's minds are on overload. They shut off and then you have to come in a position where you need money, right? But if I can do this, I can learn because if I came to you today and say, hey, that's this fantastic investment. Um, it's gonna be a seven to 10 year offering. And you're like, well, I only wanna put my money to work for six months. Well, it doesn't matter how great my my investment is, it's not right for you, right? So I want to have conversations to learn how I can help you. And ultimately, I'll raise money without ever asking for it. Because ultimately, by the time we get to the point of the conversation, I've explained who I am, explained to what I've done, explained to what I'm looking to do, understood or understand what you have done with investments or what you're looking forward to invest in, allowed you time to understand why multifamily, and then left you or maybe came back for another conversation to explain about investing in the apartment buildings that we're looking at, leave you with the type of deal, allow you time to understand it, then come back and see if this is something that's going to make sense for you. And where this works is that Imagine you do find this fantastic deal, which you will. Well, here you are. You've never talked to anybody. You never raised raised money, and now you have to go somehow raise three million dollars. But you don't know if you can do it. So you're already telling your mind that I don't know if I can do this. But if you have all these talks with investors to begin with, and now you've talked to 60, 80 investors, and potentially you've gotten commitments, soft commitments, or at least interest that could be three million dollars. Well, now when you find that property that needs three million dollars, well you're going to feel a lot more comfortable going back to have those conversations because you've already had them instead of saying, hope I can raise this $3 million and hope I can do this, right? So it gives you an idea of what kind of property you can go after and how much money you can raise. So it's really you know, those five steps to, to raise money without asking, asking for it or needing it right now. Because if, if I need the money, everybody feels it. Right? And I don't want to be putting uh, investors in that position where I need them to make a decision that ultimately may not be their best decision because they're under stress. Right? And their best decision may be to, to invest when it's not right for them or to not invest because they don't have enough time to understand either me or the deal or the space in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, I, I think that that's, I, you know, I've heard people talk about, you know, talking to people ahead of time and, you know, building relationships ahead of time. Um, I haven't really heard people talk about, you know, the mock deal and, and, um, that's, that's good. I like that. Um, in my other business that I've been, I'm, I have another business that trades loan portfolios and, and, um, you know, between banks and in that business, you know, a lot of times the first time presenting a portfolio, you know, the bank ends up, I say it's almost a good thing if, if it trades away. Hmm. So another bank buys it before this bank, new bank can buy it because it gives that bank confidence that, Hey, somebody else wanted it. Um, and that it was priced accordingly and that he wasn't pressuring me to, you know, to do it. 
And, um, you know, those similar type feelings happen in the multifamily space, both from a syndicated perspective. I remember my first deal I put an offer on. I told my wife, I said, oh, man, I put it, you know, I just put the LOI and she's like, are you excited? I'm like, no, I'm scared shitless. What if I, what if I get it? You know, I don't know if I'm ready. Right. And, and then, you know, for the investors, sometimes, you know, they're looking at a deal for the first time, a passive deal. They don't fully understand it, but there's a time constraint, you know, that you, you know, the syndicator needs the money within, you know, a few weeks and they may not have had enough time to really get comfortable with it. So I, I like that approach of, you know, talking to people and, and talking about a mock deal. It, it gives you a lot of comfort going into when you find that actual deal because you're not stuck to a point that you, 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 there's enough uncertainty, right, with you doing your first deal. Why not take some of the uncertainty off the table so you can really focus on the things that are going to come up that you, you don't have the ability to prepare for ahead of time? Yeah, absolutely. So another, um, an- another piece of advice I would, t- I would give to listeners and, you know, you're out looking for, you know, for your first deal and you're trying to build relationships and, you know, why is your aunt and uncle or your, you know, neighbor or somebody else going to invest with you when it's your first time? And, you know, in that instance, I would say, you know, also talk up your team, you know, so if you are going to use a property management company that ha- manages 10,000 units in the market, well, make sure you, you're telling people that because then they're like, oh, you know, these guys know what they're doing. You know, we're going to use an attorney that just focuses in on these syndication multifamily deals. Oh, now all of a sudden it's, it's not just about you doing your first deal. It's the team that you're building. You know, oh, you're going to partner with some guy who has already done 100 unit plus deals, you know, for the last 10 years. Well, that's a different story. So all those factors are part of the story that you talk about when you're talking to, you know, your contacts. Yeah, that's it's exactly true is that your team creates the basis for how your deal can look and be to other investors, right? Because at some point you have to start somewhere. But if you surround yourself with people who, who have been knowledgeable and been active in the space, what do you think that does to your credibility, right? Well, how does that help you come up? And how does that how does that set people's mind at ease when they know that you're taking the preparation? Because if you just said, Oh, well, well, who's your team? Well, I don't know. We're going to figure it out, right? right, you know, right. Like, we're going to figure it out when we get there. But don't worry. Just give me, give me $50,000. We'll be good. I, Maybe you know, I'll catch you on the next yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, because I've heard that before. You know, we're, we, um, so who's you know, your end buyer going to be? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, <laughs> that might be an important piece. You know, like that might be <laughs> right. something you want to think about. Like, right, who's your team? Ah, we're, 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 we're going to think about it once we get it. You know, we got a little bit more to figure out. Well, Okay, you know, but if you come in the part, hey, um, we've you know um, interviewed these four companies. This company's got a great track record. Has you know, like you said, ten thousand units under management. Really versed in the BC space. Um, is really really well in in uh, ingrained here in this sub market in this market. Well, what do you think that's going to say about you and what you've done to prepare yourself for this investment? Absolutely. And uh, so for you, one of your key team members is your wife, Peely. So. Talk about, look, there's, there's not a lot of people that can work as a husband-wife team, you know, both at home and, and at work. So talk a little bit about how that uh, works out between the two of you and the, kind of the exchange of roles and responsibilities. You know, it's, it's interesting, but Pia and I met working together. So, um, you know, we oh, were- Oh, you did? 
Yeah, living in New York City, um, you know, in a bunch of different spaces. Um, so we had worked in nightlife. I had some restaurants. I had opened a brewery and sold a brewery there. So we met in that space. So we, we met on that side. And then later on, uh, almost, you know, nine years later, became a couple. So, so it was that wow. point. We met, so we knew that side first, and then we the other side became. But where I see most husband and wife uh, disagreements is that they they don't actually ask the questions. Is is what I'm doing um, if from in my mind? Am I assuming what I'm doing is right, or am I asking the question if it's right? Because if I'm doing what I see is the greatest thing to help our family and make this the best ever, well, to me it, it might be great. But if I don't ask my wife, hey, is it okay that um you know I haven't seen our kids in two weeks and I'm I'm working you know twenty two hour days, you know, where the wife may say, you know, I don't care about any of this, any of this part of, you know, getting a billion dollar portfolio. I just want you around the kids to watch them grow, right? And or, or any of those parts or the husband, um, you know, doing one thing and, and he's not understanding why the wife is really targeting on multifamily syndication because we don't have the, the questions that, or the, the talk track that seems tough, but actually makes it very easy when both can understand why the others are doing it. Because usually by the time it comes up, it becomes a, uh, a, a collision point where everybody's not happy because no one's talked about what they're doing. They just assumed that what they're doing is best. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Um, you know, communication, you know, between husband, wife, between, you know, business partner and business partner, between, you know, general partner and limited partner, you know, between, you know, general partners and property management company, all that communication is so key. And, um, you know, assuming things that everybody is on the same page as you, you know, can get you in trouble. So um, that that's that's great. And I didn't realize you guys already had that connection before. And then you, you built it. it usually goes the other way around. But um, so that's cool. Hey, uh, I don't know if you have one of these, but if you do, um, would love to hear you know, a, a challenge that happened in, you know, one of your properties and, sure. you know, how you guys overcome came it. Yeah. So you have a building with a hundred plus people living in it. Of course, there's going to come up to be challenges. We had one, um, actually first one we ever did, um, ended up uh, a neighboring building um, being run by the city, owned by the city, um, had a shootout, right? Not an area where there's a shootout, but it was a shootout sh- right next door. Right next door, scared the death to, of our tenants, which it should be, right? Because now you have these people. It turned out there was a bunch of people that actually living there that weren't uh, on the lease that were just staying there um, and creating a bunch of bad activity. So drug activity, all this other stuff in this area where it shouldn't, it wasn't commonplace, right? It was, it was an anomaly. Um, we had the idea where we actually had there was five buildings which we owned, total ninety four units. One of the buildings backed up to this building had the happenstance that one of the units had just come vacant. So I called up, um, to, it took me about five or six calls to say, I need a call back because someone's gonna be hurt, someone's gonna die. Finally get back to the Louisville Metro, which got me in t- uh, touch with their detective board in charge of this. And they used this uh, unit as a stakeout. Why are we returning the unit um, to really just uh, survey this this property next door? Lo and behold- So your vacant unit, you, you actually gave to the detectives to, to go in and do a stakeout. Correct. And so they were able to use that. Wow, that, that's yep. a cool idea. Yeah, it worked out. It just, it was fantastic, right? So three or four weeks, whatever was the part, they were able to get enough um, information or whatever they needed to go over there. And I think they made like something like nine or 10 uh, arrests over there, um, but really just changed the dynamic, right? Because we went from, this could be a real problem. This could really um, not only hurt our tenants, make them uncomfortable, you know, you fill in the blanks, right? To the point here, where we're able to find something where 
tenants can now go back and live their life and not worry about something that's just, uh, because no tenant wants to be like, yeah, you know, I I live here. It's completely unsafe. I'm cool with it. No, they don't want, they they (laughs) want, nobody's going to say that. They want to be happy where they live, right? Even if it's not, you know, affording to live in a, you know, a mansion or a class eight or, you know, new construction, they want to be able to live in a good community. When you can go and show that you're trying to make this the best community for them to live, um, it sets the narrative and really creates an impact. Well, earlier you talked about, you know, taking action and, and most of the time I've talked on the show about, you know, different investors that are at a thousand, two thousand, three thousand units and, and how they, you know, took action, even though they didn't have all the information and got them in the game where so many listeners or people want to get into real estate, but they're afraid to pull the trigger. Um, but there's, there's more to it than just buying the deal, right? So in this instance, you could have handled that a lot of different ways, right? You could have handled that very passively where you heard about it and you're like, oh man, I hope that doesn't leak over to our property. I hope nobody gets hurt. I hope, you know, our tenants don't leave, you know, because of what's going on next door. You could have just, you know, sat back and just hope things worked out, but you didn't, you actually took action. You know, you actually made calls and, and did something that ended up helping the community. And, um, so that, so that's huge. You know, we take the first no as just so concrete and usually the first no becomes for a lot of reasons. One, they just don't feel like dealing with you. Two, they're not in the power to give you the yes. Or three, they just don't know there is a yes, right? But if you believe there's a yes out there, you, you have to keep asking the question until you find the yes, right? And I take a lot with life is that the first roadblock, like, oh, that's it, wasn't right for us, not meant to do, not meant to happen. So forget it, we're not gonna do it, right? But if you believe there's a yes out there and your future you know, relies on it, you're, you're gonna figure out the steps to get to where you have to go just by understanding that you'll hear no so many times, but lots of times it has nothing to do with you. It's just the situation. So if you believe there's a yes, we'll find a yes. Yeah. Um, so in real estate, I was told this and I, I could vouch for it. My short experience of three plus years, um, you know, look, there are going to be challenges and there is going to be, you know, knows, right? You're just going to, you're going to have people <laughs> are going to say no to you, whether that means, you know, look, you go after a deal hard and there's 15 offers and you don't get it. You know, that's a no. Um, or it's, you get the deal and you're looking for investors and you get no, you know, um, you have to have, you know, thick skin and just move on to know that there are other people that want what you, the opportunity that you're presenting, you know, it may not be right for some people, but then there's somebody else that has no idea they have this opportunity and you have to find that person. Well, that's right. Is that you're offering opportunity, right? And not every opportunity is going to be perfect for the right person. And and most of the times has nothing to do with you, right? It could be, they just started a business or overcapitalized. They just started a business and didn't understand their tax expense. Um, you know, they they don't have the liquid capital right now. You know, they're they're just buying a home. Like think of all the reasons that could potentially be uh, something that's keeping them back from doing it, and it has nothing to do with you. Right. Exactly. I I remember when I was doing my first capital raise, um, a few things 
interesting things I learned from it. One was, you know, my wife was like, hey, don't go to friends and family. I'm like, why? Well, what if it doesn't go right? You know, we don't want to burn bridges. I'm like, look, I'm just not wired that way. Look, we're investing. I believe this is a great deal. All it is is an opportunity. I'm totally fine with them saying, no, you know, it's not for me. And but here's what I found out, like you brought up, a, a, you know, a few good things where all the varying reasons, there were certain people in my mind that I had relationships with. I'm like, this guy's a no brainer. He's wealthy. He's he's got money. He's going to invest like no problem. And then I call up and it's, hey, Darren, man, we just put a ton of capital into this business or we, I just bought this other business or. Whatever, and like it, the timing just wasn't right. Yeah, you, you know, and I'm like, holy cow! And then there's other people that I'm going through my cell phone, and I'm like, I don't even think I should reach out to this person. This person is never going to invest. You know, that's the negative thought in my head, and I'm yep. like, you know what? Let let that person make the decision, not me. That's a hundred percent correct. Yeah, don't don't judge who's going to be. Don't judge right. uh, the the jury, right? So so let them make their own decision. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, Darren, man, how does this work? Can we get together for coffee? And then that person ends up investing. And I'm like, holy cow, I never would have thought that. But it taught me a lesson about not judging because, you know, there's certain people that, you know, you just hit them at the right time and the right, and it's an opportunity that they have never been presented with, you know, and they just need some knowledge. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Sometimes it's the... People don't get the opportunities, and when you can show them the other ways out there, it's it's the best thing. Not only for you, of course, but for them, right? It gives them something that can help them to their future goals that they didn't know exist prior. Absolutely. So, look, you're a big mindset guy. Um, you're a big learning guy, um, and you're giving back and teaching other people what you've learned. You know what? What are you focused on? Obviously, you know, getting more deals, you know, is is a focus. Um, but you know, from a learning perspective, what do what are you guys, you know, focused on? You know, to for you personally to to continue your growth. You know, that's a good question. I, I'm always being an open minded learner. I think right now I'm just trying to make sure that. You have to be in two ways that you have to be careful with your words with your kids, right? Because because you want to you want to put them in a position to, to to take action, but you want to take care of them too, right? But but you have to always curb your thoughts, right? If someone if the kid is uh, climbing up in the jungle gym and your whole thing is like, okay, don't move, don't move, don't do this, like you're you're gonna make them so timid to their future reaction. So I've been trying to watch myself and train my mind, train my thoughts to be to make sure that the wording I'm using is allowing them to to look forward right and even with them you hear a lot like i can't i can't get my seatbelt i can't do this i can't do that and if you can start to simply just sway those terms to how can i how can i possibly that's that's huge that's something that's really on my mind a lot um because it goes back to myself i don't i I didn't have that upbringing where it was that you know it's influent possibilities it just you, you have to understand that at some point what's the worst that could happen if I try, right? You don't succeed. Okay. So try again. But if you don't try, well, there's no chance it happens. Yeah. The other, the other thing I would say about the, the trying thing, 
you know, I'll, I'll liken it more to, to maybe starting a business than, than the real estate thing, but it, it applies there as well. Is that, look, somebody start, they, they go to start their own business. They go down the path and they're like, maybe three months in, they're like, this isn't going to work. But they see another opportunity. Hmm. And then they pivot and they go that way. And now all of a sudden they make that a success. And that person never would have gotten there had they not taken action on the first idea. Yeah. You know, so um, st- stepping over that ledge, I mean, yeah, you, there's no guarantee in investments. There's no guarantee that you buy multifamily property and it's always going to, you know, straight up, be straight up valuation increase. You know, there's going to be challenges and, but it's, um, if you don't try, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. no way. Right. So, so that's, um, talk about, you, you alluded to it before that you didn't grow up that way. How did you grow up? Where did you grow up? Um, you know, what were your parents like? What were, you know, what was your mindset when you were growing up? Sure. So, you know, I, I have a great family upbringing, so it's nothing apart. It's just, it, it, we come from a generation, right, where our parents weren't trained that way, right? So so typically, you know, my dad um, had his own construction business. My mom was a, a stay-at-home mom, helped with the family business. But it, we, we've, part of social media that's been great or part of things with, with uh, being potentially available to more information is that there's more ways for us to make make informed decisions, right? Um, you know, you grow up where there's four channels, right? And now you start getting to part of age where now there's limitless possibilities. You can go both ways, right? You can look at all the negatives or you can look at all the positives or you can try and, because a lot of decisions out there today, it's crazy to say it, is that someone's decision is based on someone else's, you know, Instagram post and that's not even been researched and they'll, they'll, they'll assume their entire thought on, on a topic based on someone else's post that hasn't been researched, right? And so for us to be able to look at our life and our actions and look at, okay, what are my options to understand this and how can I grow to build upon where I am, right? And am I always making the right choice? No, but am I trying to understand, okay, when I don't make the right choice, what would have been another option? What would have been a better choice? And sometimes you you find out that you're, you're not the right choice, happened to be the best choice because the, the ulterior or the, the other choice was, was worse, right? And so you, you made the best of, of what you have with the information. And, but that's what it takes to get going. Like if you're talking about you know, um, opening a business or buying multifamilies that you have to get to a step that gives you more information so you can get better at your questioning to get better answers. And most of the time, we don't take the step. And so all we have is assumption, but we have no information, right? We just assume all of these things, you know, whether negative or positive, because we, we have no tactical or action that's happened to get us to good information, we honestly have no idea. Yeah. And for you, like, look, you've done nine syndications, right? So on your ninth one, you had a lot more knowledge than on your first one, right? And, but had you not done the first one, you wouldn't have built up all that knowledge over the next you know, eight or nine, you, you just have to get in. And, and some of the ways to mitigate the risk on that first deal is partner with somebody that has experience, you know, so they're kind of looking over your shoulder, you know, um, and the team that we talked about. So, um, but where did, where did you grow up? Um, and brothers, sisters, kind of where'd you fall in? Yeah. So I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I was New the Jersey. oldest 
Yeah, my 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 sister and brother were seven and ten years younger than me, so I spent a lot of time almost as you know the only child, right? Because you're out there and apart. So um, you know, really close to my family, uh, but we did have that that you know wide gap, right? And so I've always been out there of just trying to understand you know, what else is there and trying to understand how things have worked. And that's been something I've carried forward. Right. Um, so your dad was a business owner. Did he, did that, you know, influence you in, in becoming a business owner? Um, yes. In its own way. Right. So he was in a construction business and, uh, he still is, I, they still have the family construction business that's active in New Jersey. Um, but I, it gives you the, the, the things you like and the things that you don't like about business. I, I knew, um, and it, it was, Interesting, but I, I could constantly see that my dad has all the knowledge in the world, but he would put himself in a position where he would have to do all the pieces or, or choose to do all the pieces. And so if you have, you know, I don't know, 10,000 hours an hour knowledge, but you're, you're determined to do the eighth hour an hour tasks, well, then ultimately that's going to leverage how successful you can be because you're stuck doing a lot of things where you have to put your energy on better tasks, right? So from a multifamily perspective, what could that mean? Um, okay, if I'm out there, um, you know, trying to go over every piece of the puzzle, you know, and, and where a lot of my teammates could do, and I'm not doing two things, uh, finding deals or raising capital, then I'm not going to get anywhere, right? Because those are the two drivers. If you're not doing those two deals and you want to do multifamily syndication, well, you, you really need to have a great teammate who's going to do that, or you're not going to go anywhere because you need those two pieces, right? So if your energy, uh, those are the two more, uh, most important pieces and you're doing everything else but those two pieces, well, then your energy is not best spent. <laughs> right, right, right. If Right. In this world, it's finding deals and, and, and finding, you know, investors. And if you're doing all the other stuff, then then you're low, low, value, low value on the totem pole for sure. Um, so... How, what would be your advice to uh, passive investors if they wanted to get involved for the first time? Sure. Ask, ask themselves why. Why do they want to get invested? Does it just sound like some novel thing, right? Because this is something where you're going to be invested. If it is a multifamily syndication, it could be three, five, seven, ten years, right? So you have to understand what is it that you're looking for to have this investment, right? There's a lot of different ways you can win with multifamily, you know, appreciation, cash flow, depreciation, tax advantages, portfolio diversification. But what is it that's going to be important for you? And then the operators. This is something where you're going to be invested with this person for a long time. So do you like do you like this person? Do you like what they're doing? Wait, what is it that's going to be important to you about that investment? Because if you can't answer that, then you're probably going to be disappointed because most of the time, if we don't have an idea of what we want, then when we get it, it, it we, we didn't have an idea what we wanted, so we'll be disappointed in the results. So that's why some of our big questions out front is we're talking with investors. Um, what have they invested in before? If they've done syndications, what have they liked or what haven't they liked about the process? What are some of these pieces so we can learn for it, but also learn how we can help them? And honestly, sometimes we might be a great fit for them and other times um, we might not be a great fit. And it's better to know now, right? And and give them good feedback that, you know, we are longer term holds. So right now, or this is just a passive investment. It's not for active participants, you know, so we're not looking for active participants. It's better for us to have that conversation out front so we can all make sure that we're pushing them or giving them the best guidance to get to their results. I love that. I, lo I love those questions. You know, what is it they're looking for? And you know, what if they've done another deal in the past, what did they like and what did they not like? Because it may be 
something that is a good fit or may not be something that's a good fit. You know, most of the time I've, I've heard people talk about, um, you know, all the financial advantages, you know, to why getting into a syndication makes sense. And all those are important, but these questions are very important as well. And, and I think a lot of times they're not asked. Um, so I I, I love that. Um, Hey, Jason, um, if people want to get out and, and reach out to you and Peely, like what's the best way for them to, you know, get a hold of you? Sure. Yeah. So we mentioned you can join us at the live event, June 10th, 11th, and 12th, multifamilyliveevent.com. If you want to talk more about us, about uh, passive investment, or just learn more about us, you can go to yerusiholdings.com. Um, and our emails are jason at yerusiholdings.com, Peely, P-I-L-I, at yerusiholdings.com. I love it. I love it. Um, what's your next big stretch goal, my friend, before we, we jump uh, here? 200 mile race. That, that's my 200, next stretch goal. 200? So, 200. Yeah, I did a couple hundreds uh, last year, 50, did about 2,500 miles last year. So that's that's my next stretch goal. Um, and then- uh, That's so one race, 200 miles? One race, 200 miles. That's my next stretch How goal. How long does it take? Uh, that could take oh, three to four days, depending. Oh, so depending on, depending on the race and the uh, terrain, so. And what's the longest you've done so far? 100 and, well, 101 ends up being, but, but over 100. So you're going to double, uh, you've done a hundred mile race and you're now you're going to double it. That's my next Oop. stretch. Wow. The 101 mile race. How long did that take you? A uh, little shy of 21 hours. 21 hours. And where, what state was that in? Uh, that was in New Jersey. So I've done, uh, New Jersey. I've done, uh, New York. I've done, um, where was the other one? It was a, uh, it was like border of Indiana, Ohio, uh, that one out there. And I've run a lot of miles in between. That, that That's awesome. Awesome. Well, I better you than me. <laughs> that, um, Hey, Jason, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, definitely, you know, tune into his podcast, into the, you know, their YouTube channel and uh, take a look at that live event, multi multifamilyliveevent.com and um, these these guys are you know good people and sometimes it's nice learning from somebody that you know ha- has the success you know but isn't so far removed you know that they forget what it feels like to be a, you know a new guy in the space so hope you enjoyed that one until next week signing off thanks brother Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 